It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. This man was there with Sacagawea. This man was there with General Custer. This man was there with Billy the Kid. And this man was there with Jesse James. And we still don't know where he put the money. Here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zed. How are you doing this morning? Oh, not too bad. How are you, sir? Well, I, I was with all those people in spirit. Uh-huh. So well, you buried the money, and that's why you could afford the office. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's my new uh, hobby. What, <laughs> up gold. what in the world is your historical and sometimes hysterical facts going to take us to this morning? Well, and there's a little of both of that in this story today. Uh... Have you ever heard of the Dalton Gang? Oh, yes, as a matter of fact. The Dalton Brothers? Yeah, well, they were some bad dudes. Well, sort of. Oh. Um, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Right? Now, Frank Dalton, he was the oldest of the brothers, and he kept the others kind of in good behavior. He was actually a deputy U.S. Marshal, and his brothers had ridden with him in posses. Now, Frank Dalton, the oldest, he was killed when he was tracking a horse thief into Oklahoma Territory. Mm-hmm. Dalton and another deputy marshal located this uh, fugitive and with his companions, and this was in 1887. And when they went to arrest him, well, the outlaws resisted, and Frank Dalton was shot dead. Well, two of the outlaws were killed, and Dalton's companion was wounded. But anyway, this is kind of the beginning, uh, following in their brother's footsteps, uh, the remaining brothers... Grant, and it's not Grant, it's G-R-A-T, Bob, and Emmett. They mm-hmm. became lawmen. Okay. And in 1890, however, after not being paid some money that was owed them for some work, the brothers became outlaws themselves. And Bob Dalton had already killed his first man when he was only 19 years old. Mm. So, so here's the mistake they made, all right? I'm going to talk about the Coffeyville Bank robbery. And this was not thought out real well, but uh, if you can picture this, here these five guys come riding in from the west on a nice, crisp October morning in 1892. Five young men, they laughed, and one thing or another, at the sheep and the goats along the way, having a nice, lovely autumn morning. Well, in a few minutes, they would kill some citizens who had never harmed them, and in a few minutes more, four of these guys would be dead. Oh, my. So... Here's the story. These young men planned to rob the First National Bank and the Condon Bank in this little town of Coffeyville, Kansas. I've been there, as a matter of fact. Have you? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, so three of the men were the brothers named Dalton, mm-hmm. and they knew the town, or they thought they did anyway, for because in the past they'd actually lived nearby for several years. I see. So not so long before, uh, Coffeyville had actually been kind of a... It's kind of a rough town. It was a railhead town. It was custom, custom to trail herds, wild cowboys, lots of booze, barroom fights and such. But uh, by this time, it was kind of a prosperous, uh, peaceful town. Uh, it was in the middle of a wheat farming district and a quiet settlement uh, where the town marshal, who was actually a school teacher, filled in as a lawman. He didn't even carry a gun. Mm. So you can kind of get an idea of what Coffeeville had evolved into, just this peaceful little frontier town. 
Well, the Dalton boys knew that the law was already breathing down their neck because uh, there was a deputy marshal who was after him uh, uh, by the name of Thomas. He was on their trail and only a day or so behind them because they'd uh, their last train holdup, the Dalton gang had shot down a couple of unarmed uh, citizens. And you just don't do that. No. Uh, and in doing so, they'd committed one of the few mortal sins on the frontier. You see, both the men they had shot were doctors. Mm-hmm. And it's an unwritten law that these the doctors are a protected profession in the West. You just don't shoot doctors. That's why, that's why on Gunsmoke... I was just going to say that's why on Gunsmoke, old Doc Adams was never harmed, nary a hair on his head. No, he was never shot. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so they were determined to pull off one final job, and this robbery would equip them with enough loot to take them far away from the pursuing lawmen. So Bob Dalton, he was the leader of the pack, and uh, there was also a little bit of uh, bragging rights that they wanted to have. Uh, attached to this Coffeeville raid. You see, they would do what uh, they boasted that no outlaws had done before. They would rob two banks at once. And this was something that even their famous cousins, the younger boys uh, who were now in prison, uh, had never done, nor Frank and Jesse James had never done this. So this is something they thought they wanted to have as bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Now, more than a century after this raid, much of what really happened that day is a little fuzzy. So uh, what I'm going to tell you is kind of hopefully mostly fact, but uh, some of it we just kind of have to fill in. So now part of it is the question, how many bandits actually rode up out of the Indian Territory to steal the savings of these hardworking citizens? Most say there were five, but some argue that there was a sixth man who, once things started getting bad, he took off leaving his uh, buddies to die under the rifles of the Coffeeville citizens. So anyway, Coffeeville was pretty much unprepared for a raid uh, from the most notorious outlaw gang of the day. It was just this, like I said, just a peaceful little town with wheat fields around and nobody carried a gun. Now, the gang might have gotten away with stealing the citizen savings, but uh, Coffeeville was a town uh, where they'd made some improvements. Now, one of the improvements that these guys didn't know was that the hitching rack that they were planning to tie their horses to was gone. Oh. <laughs> they didn't have a hitching rack anymore. Oh. So this came as a bit of a surprise because uh, uh, where they were going to tie up to do the robberies didn't take place. So they ran, they kind of ran, uh, rode around the streets until they found a spot in an alley. And there they tied their mouth to a pipe that was in this uh, narrow passage, which is today called Death Alley. Mm-hmm. And some of them... Uh, actually attached uh, fake hair to their faces, like uh, fake mustaches and, and beards, thinking that nobody would recognize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and together they walked down the alley, five dusty men carrying their Winchesters. Well, they crossed an open plaza where several streets came together, and they walked into the two unsuspecting banks. Now, Bob Dalton, he was kind of a tall, handsome dude. Uh, he was a leader, and he was a pretty intelligent guy. Uh, pretty uh, fearsome uh, reputation as a, as, a, as a marksman. Now, Grant, or Grat, uh, he was the oldest, and he was what you'd call a little slow. A little uh, slow. A little slow. Uh-huh. If I tell you what happened, you'll realize that uh, uh, he wasn't the sharpest guy in the tool shed, <laughs> I guess. Uh, 
but uh, he was described as being kind of a like a bull calf, but the disposition of a baby rattlesnake. So you got Bob, you got Grant, and now you got Emmett, and he was the youngest. He was the baby of the lot. He was only 21 on the day that this took place, but he'd already experienced robbery. And uh, now th- this family, they came from a family of 15 kids. Mm. There were 15 in their family. Wow. And their mother was a gal by the name of Adeline Younger. Okay, now she was an aunt to the outlaw Younger Boys. I see. And and you've we've talked about the Younger Gang before. Mm-hmm. So this kind of ran in the family, I guess you could say. Now, backing the Dalton Boys were two experienced members of the gang, a guy by the name of Broadwell and Powers. Now, Powers was a Texas boy who'd punched cows down on the Cimarron before he decided that robbing people was easier than working. And Broadwell uh, allegedly kind of went wrong after a young lady stole his heart and his bankroll. That kind of set him off on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Grant Dalton led Powers and Broadwell into the Condon Bank. Now, Emmett and Bob went on across the street to the First National Bank. Now, inside, they threw down on the customers and the employees and began to direct, direct the bank men to deliver the bank's money, and they said, be darn quick about it. And you know they said darn. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's in the verbiage from the old days. <laughs> it's exactly what they said. Yep. You guys be darn quick about getting that money. And what the robbers did not know was that somebody, probably a storekeeper or somebody, uh, who had known the Dalton family when they lived near Coffeyville before, had recognized one of the brothers as they crossed the plaza. So he quickly spread the word that the Daltons were in town, so the citizens began searching for weapons. Okay, so now we got three guys in one bank, two in another, Mm -hmm. and uh, next door to the one bank was a hardware store called Isham's Hardware. I see. And it looked out on on the front door of the, uh, towards the Condon Bank and into this plaza. And from there, it looked straight down this alley that we call Death Alley, where the gang had left its horses about 300 feet or more away. So Isham's Hardware and another hardware store started handing out weapons to anybody who wanted them. So more than a dozen public-spirited citizens armed themselves and prepared uh, for the gang as it left the bank. Okay, now inside the First National Bank, uh, Bob and Emmett had taken a sack full of cash. Uh, The brothers finished up their looting, collected some hostages, and then pushed out the door into the plaza, and that's when all heck broke loose. Oh, my. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sure history uh, recorded it as heck, too, didn't they? Yes, that's when all heck broke loose yes. in Coffeyville, Kansas. Oh, darn. <laughs> darn. <laughs> you know, the first shots were fired at Emmett and Bob, and they dove right back into the bank. Uh-huh. That was the smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob shot one citizen through the hand, and then he and his brother ran out the back door. And they kept going, circling around through a side street, out of sight uh, of the waiting citizens, and they... Sadly, they killed a young store clerk along the way. Uh, Bob was ready to do the fighting, and Emmett's function was to carry the loot in a grain sack. And that was standard equipment for the robbers of the day. They all carried a grain sack. I see. Now, inside the condom bank, okay, Grant uh, had started collecting a pile of silver. But it was so heavy, they would take more than one man to carry it. And then when he got down to the portable cash, he'd been entirely... Uh, kind of bamboozled by the, a young employee in the bank, a guy named, by the name of Charlie Ball. He told Grant, he said, well, he says we can't unlock the vault because it's on a timing system, and you're going to have to wait for eight more minutes. Well, Grant, as I mentioned, wasn't exactly the sharpest tool in the shed, and 
so he he just kind of stood and thinking okay well i gotta wait eight minutes and uh one of the other bank employees actually went over and kind of shook the uh door which actually was open and all grant had to do was go over there and just open the door but he uh was kind of like say bamboozled by this one employee so this eight minutes saved the bank treasure and actually cost the Dalton gang its existence. Oh, my. Um, so anyway, uh, old Grant Dalton, he took in this lie pretty much. And um, so he didn't even pull on the doors, which if he would have, they would have swung open. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Grant, instead of trying those doors, he just stood stupidly and waited for the hands of the clock to move while outside the townsmen loaded their Winchesters and found cover. Well, about the time old thick-headed Grant began to suspect that he was being had, Somebody outside fired a shot, and the Battle of Coffeeville was on. Oh, my. Now, the gathering of the defenders over at the Isham's Hardware Store opened up, and one especially courageous guy crawled up on the roof and began shooting with his pistol. And Anyway, bullets began to puncture the windows of the Condon Bank, and one tore into uh, one of the robber, Broadwell, hit him in the arm, and uh, he said, oh, well, I can't use my arm. So you've got Grant, Broadwell, and Powers in this bank, and they couldn't match the firepower of the citizens. I mean, there were like 200 shots being going through the windows and the doors and all this. And uh, uh, one of the defenders over at Isham's Hardware was hit in the chest by a rifle round and knocked flat. But all he got from it was a bruised chest because it had hit a wrench that he he was carrying in his shirt pocket. Wait, whoa, 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 stop, just a minute. The guy's carrying a wrench in his shirt pocket? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, and he's over there, you know, one of the citizens, and uh, when the slug hit him, it just knocked him down. Okay. It didn't hurt him at all. Sounds like the Dalton gang would have been better served if they'd have used the drive-up window. <laughs> yeah. These, like I said, they, they didn't plan this out very good. <laughs> so, anyway, the townsman's heavy and accurate fire convinced even old dull-witted Grant that it was time to, to go, so... They left behind their heap of coins, and the three outlaws, again, did something kind of stupid. They charged right out into the plaza, running for their horses, Mm. which was down the alley. Mm. They ran straight into the line of fire of the rifles at the hardware store. There was no cover for them all the way down the alley, and it must have seemed like everybody in town was shooting at them. And uh, like I say, the citizens in the hardware store, they opened up uh, with their rifles, and now, here's where Grant's lack of good sense uh, showed again. He could have led his men around a corner, or he could have gone out the back door, but he didn't. So he would have been out of sight of the, of the rifleman, but like I say, he wasn't real sharp at this. So anyway, they, uh, uh, the shooting continued, and like I say, Grant led his men right out in front of the bank, right into the killing zone. Oh, my. Running hard for the alley, uh, they were shooting, uh, snapping off shots, and uh, all three of the outlaws were hit before they reached their horses. Oh, my. I mean, witnesses said they saw dust puff from their clothing as rifle bullets tore into them. So those three are, you know, pretty well about had it. Meanwhile, Bob and Emmett, they had ran out of the First National Bank down an alley and around a block and still out of the defender's sight. Well, they came in behind the townsmen who were still facing down the street. And Bob shot down a, a shoemaker armed with a rifle. He shot down another guy, a Civil War veteran, killed both of them. And then he shot another guy through the cheek. Uh, and then the outlaw brothers fled, uh, trying to get to Grant and the horses. Well, they kept a block of buildings between them and those deadly rifles. And then they turned down a little passage and came in an alley about the same time that Grant and the others got there. 
Well, about the same time, the town marshal appeared in the alley from another direction, came in between them and their horses, and Grant, already wounded, shot the lawmen down from behind. Uh-oh. Not such a brave uh, act, you know. Well, the town's most expert shot then put already wounded Grant down for good with a bullet in the neck. Mm-hmm. So here we have Bob and Emmett. They're running down the alley, uh, and somebody nailed Bob. They got him, and he sat down on a pile of cobblestones and, and was dying. Uh, still shooting, though. And then uh, a bullet came into Bob's chest, and that put him down to stay. Mm. So the outlaw leader of the group, he was, uh, he was dead. Uh, Powers lay dead. All four of them were dead. Uh, there was one guy that, well, actually, Broadwell wasn't quite dead. <laughs> wasn't quite <laughs> he dead? He ran, uh, rode a ways before <laughs> they finally got him. Okay. Now, okay, we're getting close to the end. I know we're running out of time here. Uh, anyway, uh, Emmett, uh, the youngest brother, yeah. uh, by this time there were four citizens dead, three more were wounded. The man with the rifle slug in the cheek was seriously hurt, but he was okay. Four bandits had dead, and Emmett was punched full of holes. Oh, my. 20 shots. Holy in Emmett. cow! But he wasn't dead. Okay. So he was carried up to a doctor's office. And while the doctor was at work, there was a group of citizens that came in. They were mad because, you know, the death of four of their citizens. Sure. And they came in carrying a rope. They were going to tie uh, the rope to one end of the telephone, telegraph pole outside the doctor's window and attach the other end to Emmett and throw him out the window. Absolutely. Well, sure. Uh, get rid of him, you know. But the doctor said, no, don't worry about it. He says he's going to die. Uh, so, you know, you don't need to hang him. He's going to die. Well... Unbeknownst to them, Emmett was saved, and he went to trial in the can and spent time in the Kansas State Penitentiary. Now, typical of that day, the four dead bandits were propped up to have their pictures taken, and you've seen pictures of that mm-hmm. where they yep. prop them up and they're dead, and there's holes all through them. Uh, took pictures of them vertically and horizontally, and people actually came far and near to see the corpses and collect souvenirs. Yep, uh, bit, bits of cloth, hair. Uh, and so on. Some brought their kids, thinking that seeing these dead bandits was would keep them on the straight and narrow path. Now, some of the sightseers indulged in a little bit of a weird experiment oh, in hydraulics. Uh, somebody discovered that you, if you moved Grant Dalton's arm up and down like a pump handle, blood squirted out of a hole in his throat. Oh my goodness, Doctor History. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Yeah, that was a real addition to the story. <laughs> well, like I say, I don't know what you do for entertainment, Bill West. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they, they, I think I know what the moral of the story is. I really do. I figured out what the moral of the story is. Okay. Internet banking is a lot safer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't go riding into town that you don't have a plan. But holy anyway, man. you know this is pretty much the end of it. Emmett, the the youngest brother that survived, he said there were only five bandits, um, but some say there were six. And you know, there's a lot of speculation as to who a sixth man might have been, or actually a sixth woman uh, that dressed up like a man. But uh, anyway, there's a lot of speculation, and nobody really knows. If there was even a sixth person, uh, like I say, there's just a lot of speculation about that whole thing. But anyway, so passed the Daltons into one of the most famous and badly executed holdups in the history of crime. I mean, Bob and Grant are still 
in the Coffeyville Cemetery, and they do have a headstone. But uh, anyway, they've actually planted a piece of this pipe that they tied their horses to. I see. Hey, I got to ask you, whatever happened to Emmett? I mean, uh, did he live a long and fruitful life once he got himself all put back together? <laughs> you know, again, 20 bullet holes in the guy. Yeah. He lived. Uh, you know, and uh, I, it actually says that uh, Emmett married in 1907. Uh, he married a gal, and uh, let's see, I don't know when he actually died, but uh, I think he did, was convinced to carry on a more honest living after that. You think? <laughs> I think that he learned his lesson, <laughs> since he was the only one left out of the Dalton gang. Well, you know, it'd be really interesting. I mean, 20 bullet holes. This guy had to be tougher than a piece of uh, uh, wood floating in the ocean for 20 years. I mean, this yeah. guy, 20 bullet holes. Yeah. Now, this is pretty amazing. And, and, you know, I've told stories before of people to get a lot of bullet holes in them and still survive. When they took him to prison, how many wagons did it take to haul him over there? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, like say, this doctor uh, basically saved his life. Yeah. Not only from the bullet holes, but it saved him from the uh, citizens that wanted to hang him. Man, oh man, the end of the Dalton gang. And ladies and gentlemen, that was a, you did a really good job in creating a real aura of suspense. And, uh, even old Grat wasn't very smart. I mean, he met his demise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they almost got it. Well, I shouldn't say. I don't think they even almost got away with it. Yeah. You know, they wanted the bragging rights of robbing two banks at the same time. And, uh, their cousins in jail, the, the younger brothers, uh, you know, they, probably heard about it and you know i'm sure they did and i'm but, uh, they they wanted to be the ones to do something that nobody else had done well they, they did it. they kind of wrapped up their whole life's history in one day so there they go yeah, i've got a picture of them right here in front of me of the four four of them laying there dead as can be yeah with a little five-year-old pumping that right arm there you go <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm not sure which one's grant but uh <laughs> Yep, that's the Coffeeville Bank Robbery. There you go. Dr. History has done it again right before lunch, and we appreciate it. God bless you, man. We'll see you next week. <laughs> All right. You have a good day, Zach. Dr. History, better known as Dr. Ken Turner, chiropractor in, in Burley, and we certainly appreciate his efforts on uh, Dr. History every Tuesday right here on Zeb at the Ranch. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.